And welcome back to the Red Patch Boys podcast. I'm Ben McClellan. That's Cameron Miller. Uh, tough weekend for the Reds uh, this past Saturday, dropping a decision to our very heated rivals, the Montreal Impact. I'm not even going to give them the time of day to refer to them as their new name. Um, but a lot to touch on this week. We've got that match. We've got next Saturday against uh, the Vancouver Whitecaps in our second MLS match. We'll get to both of those. And very hard to ignore everything going around the football world at the moment with the European Super League. So we'll certainly touch on that. And a lot of questions from all of our listeners, which we definitely appreciate. And we'll definitely get to all of those later. But to start, uh, something me and Cam haven't really touched on is the history of the red patch boys name. And I guess to start off with that, the, the simple root of the red patch boys name pays homage to the veterans of the first Canadian infantry division of the second world war. Um, This unit was referred to as the red patch devils uh, by Axis troops in recognition of their bravery and perseverance in the face of heavy combat. Uh, the 1st Canadian Infantry Division was a formation first mobilized on September 1st, 1939 for service in the Second World War, even before formal declaration of war. And I didn't even get to introduce this man this week. So first, I'll ask you, Cam, how are you? And uh, from there, I'll let you I'll let you expand on what I just said there. Uh, ben, as always, thank you for allowing me to join you on the Red Patch Boys podcast. Always a pleasure to speak to our friendly Red Patch members and family, I should say. Uh, tough week uh, being a fan, uh, watching the highs of the on victory to the lows of the Montreal defeat. Uh, but that's what being a Red Patch boy uh, is all about, the highs and the lows and enjoying them together. Um, and that's what I love, the ability for us today to look at that history and, and where we get that name Red Patch Boys. Um, I don't know if anyone knows much about war. I'm in no way a historian. My brother was the big war buff and always watching the History Channel before it became more about aliens. Um, but it, you, you're looking at this Canadian Infantry Division. These are the people who are on the ground. Right. We say, you know, long may you run for the boys in the field. These were the individuals who were in the grunt work of the Second World War for Canada, uh, people who were on the front lines. And, you know, we talk about COVID-19 right now and frontline workers, frontline medical people. And these people are fighting a whole new war right now. So I think it's really important now to look at the people who sacrificed for us and, and for something important. And in 1941, the detachment first adopted their red rectangular patch. That would become their trademark as well as ours, as you've seen either stitched or, or sort of sewn onto some jerseys in you know Section 112 and around the stadium. It was actually the enemy German troops who coined the nickname the Red Patch Devils in light of their bravery and ferocious fighting style. Now, as a fan of English football, and our discussion later is going to talk to that a little bit, um, and not a united supporter... I'm not sure I'd want to call ourselves Red Patch Devils, but it does show you the ferocity and uh, I think character we exude to our enemy. It's scary fighting a devil, right? The devil brings with it a lot of connotations of fear, of dominance, of power. 
And I think that's exciting to, to hear about such an iconic Canadian infantry division. Um, the boys uh, in the Red Patch uh, Infantry Division, the first Canadian division, I should say, were led by notable commanders as Guy Simmons and Chris Vokes. Uh, fantastic individuals, if you can look them up and, and hear more about their stories on Wikipedia or similar resources. Um, the Red Patch boys, or I should say the Red Patch devils, reflected the type of fighting spirit and perseverance under pressure that we as fans see of our future TFC teams and something they will continue to embrace in every match. And although we didn't see it on the weekend, I think we certainly <laughs> saw it against Leon. Absolutely. And um, so, yeah, from our fan- founding members felt that that name would, would be perfect for, for our group and something to represent our club. Uh, honoring the illustrious fighting unit um, could be worn as a symbol of pride for our country, our city, and our team. Um, the new group hoped to emulate the camaraderie and fellowship exhibited by our soldiers in arms. And uh, May 2006, jumping a bit more to modern day, uh, was when the group began its formation uh, shortly after Toronto FC's name and badge was announced. So there is your history lesson uh, for this week. Cam, anything you want to add on to that? I, I know we do have some veterans uh, within the Red Patch Boys membership. And if any of them listen and, and want to share a bit of story about their connection to the 1st Canadian Infantry Division or the Red Patch Devils, or simply want to talk about supporting TFC as a veteran, uh, we'd love to have you on here, um, hear from you and, and hear the stories of representing uh, our country and uh, defending our rights. I think that would be great to hear. So a call out to anyone um, in the group who'd love to talk about that. For sure. And, and something very cool in kind of connecting it to this is I don't know if we still do it. I know we used to uh, coach uh, known by many around our circles uh, has like an old air raid horn that we'd get going after goals, which was always very cool. Um, I'm sure you've heard it once or twice if you've been in the stadium for a match. So certainly a connection there. Uh, but yeah, moving Coach on, GT, I think is uh, yeah. quite the good historian as well. I know he does a bunch of model planes and he's quite the, uh, the history buff. So I know we can't catch his ear uh, at the pub anymore, but perhaps we can have a chance to maybe speak with him in the near future. Absolutely. And, and like Cam said just a moment ago, if you do know more uh, on top of the story or you have a connection to it, please let us know. We want to hear your story. We want to have you on so you can uh, you can expand on what we just told you uh, moving on talking about soccer now uh tfc montreal this past weekend on saturday uh, unfortunately tfc dropping this one four two uh playing in fort lauderdale um a couple things that i saw that we can that we can expand on I'll, I'll go to you cam for things that you saw uh for me our our center backs were uh to say the least um gonzalez looked absolutely lost on the first goal Sing beat on the second um, and we'll, we'll touch on Singh in, in his role later. And then both of them looked absolutely silly on the fourth. Um, Bradley, a tough day as well, got dominated in the air on the third goal. Um, and then Arrow, another, another key player in a couple of the goals. I know um, watching back, it was his giveaways that that really led to the rush for the first and second goal. So Cam, um, you can add on to those. You can, you can bring up your own things that you saw. what do you think about Saturday? 
I'll try and uh, address them in the same sort of order you did, uh, Ben. We we praised this TFC team um, after the Champions League tie that they won against Leon about their ability to fight and persevere and and sort of weather the storm and going back into our first MLS game, we were excited to see Chris Armas's attacking mode. Um, the team is still, I think, uh, devastated by injuries. We're not seeing the leadership in the core that you typically see to start a season. Um, our lineup with, you know, Bono, Larea, Gonzalez, Singh, Oro, Bradley, Preso, Okello, Delgado, Schaffelberg, and Mullins is the same team we saw play um, midweek. So, I think these guys have played pretty intense games recently and fatigue might've played a role. Absolutely. I don't know if that's for sure the case, but I think I saw some tired, heavy legs there. And in the first Leon game, I made a comment that a through ball from the midfield had three Leon players on side behind our back line. That that's, that's unforgivable. And on, on, you know, I think three of the four goals conceded today, it was a ball played over the top where the attackers ran onto, and we just got devastated on them. So, you know, we've got to keep a, a, a really tight eye on how this, you know, back four develops. You know, you'd hope a, a player like Mavinga can track back and knock those balls out. Um, you know, poor Singh, you know, earned his big boy contract is now playing for the, the, the senior squad and just gets absolutely manhandled uh, on a goal. Um, yeah. You know, he's got to make that step really quickly and we're watching it happen uh, in game. So, you know, I'm going to practice patience with Singh. I'm going to hopefully have him rise up for the next challenge and, and, and win that ball next chance he gets. But, you know, consistently we, we've seen this back line get exposed over the top. Um, Oral giving the ball away, maybe lackadaisical. I think it was fatigue. I think this team was tired. I think they were kind of drawn out. Their their energy was low. Uh, and they took Montreal too easy. This is a Derby game. I know fans weren't there, but, you know, beat the impact, man. You have to beat them back into Montreal. Like, they need to have that energy and that swagger. And I did not see it. They were hungry. They were excited. They banged goals in when the chances came. And we got a penalty. And Oro chipped it into the goalie who just happened to go cut his line too quickly. Really not. Thank goodness. Mark, the man Delgado could step up and, and hit it on the, on the, on the retake, but <laughs> conceding shortly after that, you know, breaks your momentum. Yeah. Um, you know, all in all with, with Lorea scoring that goal uh, near the end of the game, he took the ball on himself. He just mm-hmm. did it himself. And, you know, you, you, you love to see these individual pieces of effort, especially from Lorea. And I want to see him continue doing that. But I think overall, this team was a bit discombobulated, a bit broken. Uh, and I'm going to chalk that up to fatigue personally. I hope we, we have a chance to recover our legs and, and attack our next game with a bit more composure and energy. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, I, think you, I think you hit it all. Uh, you know, short turnover time from our, a really hard-fought match in, in Orlando against Leon, uh, which we're lucky, lucky enough to come off on the, on the right side of, which is great. Um, but a lot of young guys on that lineup Saturday that it was, I mean, it was the exact same lineup from Wednesday to Saturday. And a lot of those young guys aren't used to playing that often and in that short of stretch. Right. So that's definitely a transition or to that intensity them. or to that right? intensity. 100%. As you, yeah. As you said, uh, even a right. You got to 
him adapt to the men's game where you're being pushed for 90 minutes at, at a much higher rate than you would in, um, you know, in the, in the lower division. So yeah, adapting to that many games and at that pace and, and that amount of uh, energy uh, is, is going to be difficult. It really is. For sure. For sure. And touching on Luke saying it's tough that this is how his M- first MLS game went uh, after two really good showings against Leon. Um, but, you know, I saw some people on Twitter and whatnot kind of saying, you know, really knocking him down and already writing him off. But the thing is, he's not even supposed to be here right now. Right. If, if it's not for these injuries, he's not on this. He's he's not on this team. Uh, it's birth by fire. He's not in 100 really percent. He's not in the starting lineup. Maybe he's a sub. Maybe big. Maybe realistically, he's he's most likely going to be with TFC too once we get a couple healthy guys back. So, you know, it, it's tough to throw him into the fire like that. And, and it wasn't a good showing, but the guy's still growing and, and he really wasn't supposed to be here yet. So to see the, the, the physicality yeah, is different as well. Right? T- if he's coming in playing a technical mm-hmm. Mexican side, that's ticky tacky, you know, pinpoint passing, great touches, quick pacing. You know, I think his positioning did well, and I think Kean Gonzalez dominated the air against Leon. But again, they were the biggest guys in the back line. So who who was really going to challenge them? You put him against a fully grown man in the MLS whose job is to manhandle other MLS defenders, and he's going to come out second best, I think, every single time there. He needs a chance to mature his body and his physicality around his 18-yard box, and that's where, again, players like Gonzalez, players like Mavinga – players like Moro are going to have to teach him and teach him quickly. Yeah, for sure. And that'll come along, right? He's, he's not going to be with this club for the entirety of the year. At least I don't think so. Um, and we'll, we'll get to that a little bit later on with a great question. Absolutely. From the audience. Absolutely. Uh, RO thing. I think you're right. A lot of fatigue there. Um, kind of just lackluster type giveaways it happens when when you've got those tired legs and and whatnot uh his pen was horrendous he did a good job of winning it uh but not a good penalty attempt and i think it was kind of tfc's that team at the moment where we're missing our our main set piece pen guys so it's going to be whoever wins it takes it i think that was the case there luckily mark delgado steps up for the second one on the retake um, and he sent a nice pen there. So that's good to see at least. Um, I was really hoping they'd be able to turn it around in the second half, being able to score right before the half and make it a one goal game. Um, but then Bradley just did not look good on that corner. Uh, Victor Waniyama gets up, wins the header and, uh, it's three, one right back to a two goal game. Um, that's, that's indicative of the game, right? When, when mm-hmm. Bradley, I think really bossed the team, against Leon today he looked slightly anonymous um just being beaten inside your own six yard box for a header like that just absolutely dominated I don't even think he jumped no he didn't that's again a lack of composure lack of um football intelligence but again it could be fatigue it could be just out, out of sorts or is that you know an issue dominating the back line where the lack of communication yeah. What someone behind him and he didn't know. Not that I'm giving him, I think, an out here, but you just raised the question. So where's that leadership coming from? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Just just overall, the, the performance overall just 
very, very stagnant. Um, didn't play. I mean, right off the bat, Montreal scores two and a half minutes in. Um, terrific strike, but not sure what Omar Gonzalez is doing. Not picking up the guy running on his outside shoulder. Uh, yeah, nobody immediately in front of him for him to cover, cover either. Just just completely lost his man, and and Mason Toy took advantage. Um, overall, just just not very good. Montreal looked like they came to play. They wanted to make a statement, and and they did right. They they kicked the shit out of us. Scored to be completely goals. honest with Certainly you, scored some good goals. They took yeah. their chances when they needed to. Um, I think they 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 impressed me more so than I was expecting. I didn't expect really much from them, but again, I don't study their team. I haven't looked into them very much. So uh, all you really know is losing Henri. You'd think there may be a bit of disorganization, but that was not the case at all. They were well-drilled. They're ready for the game, uh, which means it's what we have to do going up against our next opponent. Absolutely. And and no need to hit panic either. Um, obviously, I don't want to see things turn out the way they did um our the last time we made the champions league run however i would like to bring up an interesting stat and that is that all the teams that competed in the concacaf champions league from the mls this past week or past two weeks none of them won this opening weekend that includes columbus atlanta portland uh us of course and uh philadelphia so i know a couple of those teams drew um couple also picked up uh losses so definitely no need to hit hit panic button by any means um a very winnable match coming up saturday against vancouver um what do you think for this one cam um well one thing we, we should cover uh, and i almost missed this uh our man of the match for oh, uh the montreal toronto game um I, I didn't watch the full game. I was working. I, I caught the first half and a bit of the second half before I got uh, a little disheartened and said, maybe I should go back and do my job. Um, but I, I think <laughs> knowing, knowing the type of play we had uh, and, yeah, and the susceptibility um, down our left flank, I thought the right wing may have been a bit solider. And, you know, we did get a nice goal from Lorea at the end of the game. So um, I'm going to give it to Lorea. Uh, he continues to, to be a solid uh, choice on the pitch. And, I want to see him continue being that leader. Yeah, I agree. I think my man of the match was also going to be Richie Larea. Um, the one guy on our back line that didn't look um, completely incompetent defensively, <laughs> to, be, to be completely honest. And then uh, a great job on the goal, making taking on a couple defenders himself, uh, using a nice ball from Jaquiel Marshall-Ruddy. Um which shout out Jaquiel Marshall Ruddy and uh, Jacob Schaffelberg. We held, that's what we're here for, right? Just to hype mm. up Jacob Schaffelberg. That's a, um, that's our one one per episode. <laughs> yep, exactly. Our token Jacob Schaffelberg shout out. Uh, I thought they both looked really good or looked good. Um, you know, they they created. They had some energy. Uh, Schaffelberg, unfortunate not to have a goal to even it up. Um, earlier in the first half, just put it just a bit wide. Uh, but they both looked pretty good attacking wise, creating some energy. And there wasn't a whole lot of that from the squad. So nice to see from those two young guys. Now, after you, uh, your weekly reminder of who our man of the matches, 
How do you feel about Vancouver this coming weekend? Um, I, I think this week of rest uh, should help us. Um, it's going to give us a chance to get our legs underneath us, settle back into our um, home away from home in Florida, get a little organized and allow Armis to teach them a hard lesson about that loss. You know, you know, here's his chance to get into their ear early about a setback like that and get them to show up. Uh, so I think we'll see a more composed and more organized TFC team. Still no idea what's going on with these injuries about who returns. I would like to see a few older bodies come in and give a break to these young kids who've been running pretty hard over the last few days. Um, so I, I'm calling a, a 2-1 uh, Toronto FC victory. I like that. Um, yeah, the, 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 the big thing is the injuries and our squad depth, our missing pieces. Uh, still nothing. We still know nothing about these injuries. I know there's a bit more of an injury report, but it didn't give us a whole lot other than who's missing, which we kind of already knew. Um, I would certainly like to see at least an Akinola or an Altador back because I don't know if I can handle much more of Patrick Mullins. Um, it would be nice to get Chris Mavinga back. Uh, we could certainly use that type of athleticism and, and just confidence in our back line. Even Eric Zavaleta wouldn't be bad to have back. Uh, just a little more veteran experience back there to put with Omar Gonzalez instead of mm-hmm. uh, a guy playing in his third career professional match, right? Um, yep. But something needs to be said about, about these injuries and all these guys missing and us knowing next to nothing about it, right? We It's been you know, two weeks now of uh, competitive matches and we still know diddly. Um, and these are, these are some big pieces we need too, right? We're missing the f- last year's MVP. Uh, we're missing a guy who won a golden boot in the champions league two years ago. We're missing one of the league's top center backs in Chris Mavinga. You know, I what's going on? Let's just do a quick recap, uh, yeah. Ben. So, um, Ayo Akinola, undisclosed. Chris yeah. Mavinga, left calf. Alejandro Pasuelo, right thigh. Achara, left ACL, LCL surgery. We know Sharon. about that one. That's the one, um, um, you know. <laughs> I think he's supposed to play in the next couple months. I'll use that we loosely. Hope. We hope. We hope. Uh, Julian though. Dunn, yeah. uh, Julian Dunn, right hip osteochondral injury. Josie Altador, right thigh, not hamstring as originally thought. Okay. Erickson Gallardo, right groin surgery. That surprised me. We knew me. about I, that I, one. The, well, the severity surprised me. I yeah. didn't think he would require surgery. So yeah. that, was, that was a shock. Um, and then Jonathan Osorio, right thigh and mm-hmm. his suspension. So, yeah. you know, we're, we're looking at having um, Achara and Dunn work their way back onto the IL list, uh, but there, there's still a lot to figure out what's mm-hmm. happening. Um, and, and shout out wake, Waking the Red for, for getting us mm-hmm. that information. They've top class when it comes to that stuff. Um, what's the Osorio suspension? I don't recall uh, that. I believe he got a red card from... Uh, one of the games last year and end of last year's season. 
believe was it a red. I recall him getting a yellow for what should have been a red in the playoff game. Did that possibly get changed to a red? It, it either could have been reviewed and, and officially uh, given a red, or it could have been a QA okay. yellows. I that honestly don't know. So apologies for anyone listening sense. who's no, that's yelling okay. into their their podcast right now just not knowing but as we always say we know nothing um yeah but uh, i i think suspensions aside we just want to see some healthy bodies come back and and the big one for me is you know pozuelo we 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 severely need him just watching some highlights uh on instagram today of our game against minnesota uh two years ago and geez he's a hell of a player yeah we've been blessed we've been blessed for the past few years between the Giovinco's, the Alejandro Pozuelo's of these little, you know, beautiful players that just make the game so nice to watch. And right now we're, <clears throat> we're, you know, working through the muck as it is. Yeah, no, no kidding. And I was watching those, the highlights from that match as well. I remember that match vividly because I remember consuming copious um, margaritas. Because it was cold and rainy. Yes, because it was cold and rainy at one of the local establishments in Liberty Village uh, before that match, and then the 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 weather adding to it and an absolute goal fest, right? Uh, Pozuelo with a couple incredible strikes, and this was something I was going to bring up to you briefly. We won't touch on it too much because it's not really not that important. But I would really like to have Jordan Hamilton right now instead of Patrick Bowens. Yeah, seeing seeing his goals uh, in that game specifically, right? Very mobile, reactive sort of uh, poachers goals to 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 react and latch onto some of them. Um, and yeah, you you'd love to see old blue eyes come back. Um, you know, I, I think one of my favorite songs was um, dun, 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 Jordan, Jordan Hamilton. One hundred percent. Uh, so yeah, I think it would be great to have him back, but you know, it, you know, injuries aside, if, if we had Achara, if we had Akinola, mm-hmm. I'm not sure his departure would be as, no. as, as well, felt. And it's, it's more so just because he was traded for Patrick Mullins is, is the reason where mm-hmm. that I, that I really bring that up. Yeah, um, it's true. And again, I don't yeah. know, I don't know what else was part of that in terms of what we got in terms of cap space yeah, or, you know, uh, salary. Mm-hmm. So you know, there's all these little fine prints that we may not see, but agreed. For I'd much sure. rather have a, a homegrown talent uh, who I think we believed in versus Mullins who works hard, but I, isn't, I think the right striker for this uh, TFC team. Yeah. Um, but speaking of who might be the right fit, uh, a couple of Instagram or Twitter sleuths with keen eyes spotted a ah, familiar yes. figure in the uh, TFC ranks uh, post game was a Dom Dwyer of Orlando fame uh, and backflips. He did a lot of backflips, I'm pretty sure. He did um, a lot of backflips. He's been actually doing an unofficial trial with TFC, which has been confirmed recently. Um, ben, what's your take on signing Dom Dwyer, if it was a possibility? Yeah, um, very good with Kansas City, really where he made a name for himself in the MLS and got a few call-ups for the U.S. national team as well. Um, well, eventually found his way to Orlando where he was still, um, you know, at the time he went to Orlando was pretty regarded, uh, unfortunately had tough knee injuries coming off, I believe in ACL surgery. Um, I could be wrong, but I know it's some type of knee surgery. Uh, he's 30 years old now, I believe 
personally, I mean, it's not going to be a DP contract, so nobody needs to freak out there. I saw some people being like, no, no, we can't be a DP. Well, he's not going to be a DP. He's 30 years old. He's been playing in the MLS for, you know, how long. He's a free agent. He's not going to be a DP, so no need to worry there. I would like it personally because he's not going to cost much. Um, and, you know, we're not going to be expecting him to play a full 90 minutes every Saturday. He's going to be a, a substitute. You're really comparing him to Patrick Mullins in terms of coming off the bench. I would easily take Dom Dwyer. Even with two bad knees, I think he'd still move a bit better than Patrick Mullins would. Um, you know, we've seen how he can be in front of goal. I would personally welcome it very much. Yeah, I think the big question remains about the health of, of his knees after his arthroscopic knee That's surgery. It. Yes. Um, uh, he, you know, he featured in MLS All-Star Games. He, he got lots of goals. I always thought he was quite a good striker um, and was a savvy pickup for an Orlando team that was trying to figure themselves out um, mm-hmm. at the bottom of the division in the late 2018-2019 uh, season. So if he's healthy, he comes back. It is adding to a laundry list of broken players that TFC have signed. <laughs> yeah. um, is it, it's kind of like you know second chance or yeah, last Toronto Infirmary club. Players. Yeah, um, but you know you're seeing an LA team who brought back uh, Victor Vasquez and he looked brilliant for LA. Yeah, yeah, and assist yesterday, didn't um, he? But again, we'll see how a a hard MLS season does to the body of, of some of these players. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think I think Dom Dwyer is a low risk. Um, high reward investment for us to have him come out and play high reward. So we'll yeah, see what really happens. Is I'm, low I'm excited risk, for it, and I would be open to it. Yeah, absolutely wouldn't be a DP signing. So let's just get that clear right now. No chance would it be a DP signing. Um, before we move on to answering questions from our listeners, we'll touch on it briefly because we don't want to get too angry. Uh, hard to ignore the European Super League uh, coming to fruition the last... I guess you could say 48 hours um, featuring 12 of the biggest clubs in the world from uh, Italy, Spain, and England. Cam, um, I know you're a Liverpool supporter. Uh, I'm a Chelsea supporter. Both those clubs being included in this uh, this, sup- this supposed Super League. Um, me personally, I'm very much against it. From what I understand, it is supposed to be a competition on top of domestic leagues as well as the Champions League. So it's basically a third competition in there. As a supporter of a team included in this Super League, what are your thoughts, Camp? Because I imagine they're pretty similar to mine, also being a supporter of a club included in there. Uh, I think history will go down if, if, if this moves forward that, you know, April, 2021 was the day football became soccer, right? That's, Mm -hmm. this is, this is the, the, the Americanization, the capitalism driving uh, football right now. Um, For someone who grew up supporting Liverpool, you know, my mom's hometown and, you know, loving everything about it with rivalries against, you know, other clubs, clubs in England, you know, these European nights midweek and all the magic that comes with, you know, going to uh, the Champions League and and winning it. Um, There was just so much excitement around it. And I was never worried about, you know, Liverpool playing Barcelona or Real Madrid or Bayern Munich. It was whoever they came up against that night was extra special. You're playing a team from another country, 
recognized as a very good talent in their country. And here's your chance to, to test your medal against them. Um, the idea of a super league is parallel to our super league, AKA major league soccer. You can't get relegated from it. You're buying into it and it's protected and it's kind of everyone's in it together to make money. Um, this is something that had to happen in North America because it didn't organically grow over centuries. Like it did in yeah. other parts of the world. Absolutely. We were coming in and fighting against <laughs> these leagues like the MLB, the NFL, the NHL, the NBA. And, and, and you've got to quickly and, and expertly navigate into that market, get capital and, and drive an entertainment product right away where you, you look at these clubs that have history dating back to the 1800s that were a group of factory workers who decided to start playing and became, you know, Arsenal, you know, a local, you know, workers union who decided to start playing football and became Manchester United. That's history. That's, you know, people. It's driven by the fans in the stands. And as supporters group at, you know, Red Patch Boys, we, I think, had a big part to play in, TFC becoming a legitimate MLS contender and if not, you know, power for a while there because of our, our, our fan base, we drove ticket sales. We created the best, you know, sporting environment in, in the city, if not in, in one of the best in North America. Yeah. And that's so much so that MLC couldn't ignore it when the least despite... that were losing money or, or, or were charging all this exorbitant amounts of money to put fans in the seats. And then there was nothing of quality on the ice you know, you finally saw it come to fruition for the Raptors recently, but so often Toronto can have a losing team and charge all this money for, uh, you know, fans, even a that ain't coming product. forward. Yeah. Yeah. But it, in, in Toronto FC's case, we knew it was a tough product and we knew that was what it was going to be. We knew we had to, you know, work through it and celebrate every single victory singing about winning when it rains because we had a higher win ratio when it rained <laughs> were, were, were some of the brightest spots we had. And then suddenly MLSC decides to put money into it and bloody big deal happens. And then Giovinco. And now suddenly we've bought our way to the top. We did. Let's not argue that we bought our way to the top of the league and it worked and we should all be happy about that and appreciate, you know, the people that made that happen. Um, but looking at European football, really the romantic side of it, and whether it's South American, North American, European, African, it all comes from the same place. It was a people-driven sport. And a great Twitter post I saw that was shared with me is, some clubs are so poor, all they have are trophies. And that's something to remember, that with this Super League going live, I will stop supporting Liverpool if they join that league and separate themselves from the competition that was built for fans of the sport. I have yeah. a tattoo on my leg, which would be real difficult to figure out, but that's where I stand because I stand with the fact that you can't buy your way to the top. You have to earn it. And with major league soccer, we know that's a very different approach, but for me, the European super league is a farce and an affront to everything football. Yeah. I, I think that's beautifully said. Um, I think I st- look at it the same way as you Kim. I'm, you know, been supporting Chelsea, not quite as much or, or as passionately as you've supported Liverpool. I don't have the same roots that you do, but I've certainly loved Chelsea for, for quite some time now. And I, I feel the same way. I don't know if I can look at them the same if, if this league does go through and 
all these reported bans and whatnot happen. I, it just wouldn't be the same for me, and and it would ruin football, right? Um, obviously, with with I think the sport of soccer, football, however you want to put it, as a whole, money does buy winning. You see, you know, a team like Man City that's that's come up, you know, maybe 15, 20 years ago, they weren't a, a, a powerhouse, but now they're, you know, one of the top ones in the world um, with with money coming into that club. Right. So there certainly is that tier of teams that, you know, wins quite regularly. Um, I just I just don't understand why a Super League would include Tottenham and Arsenal. Uh, <laughs> that's a separate conversation. Yeah, money's, money's not a bad thing, right? You need investment, but investment mm-hmm. should go both ways. Investment should go into grassroots. Investment should go into the communities that these stadiums are built in, where these teams play. Absolutely. They should be fostering the next generation. I, I said it on the last podcast, you know, plant a tree whose, whose shade you know you won't enjoy. Mm-hmm. That's the whole point of this. This is why we have these amazing institutions because the people hundreds of years ago supported them because that was their team. And for us at, in Red Patch Boys, our team is Toronto, and we support them through thick or thin, whether we're last place or first place. You know, we, we saw the, a bit of uh, a piece of this when the MLS uh, Supporters Shield wasn't going to be awarded, despite having a really tough season. And you saw the fans react when it's like, this is a Supporters Shield. We have a say in this. This is what we want. Um, and I think a lot of clubs need to remember that the fans are the ones that you should be worrying about. And we don't need to see these teams playing each other every single weekend. Absolutely. We earn the right to play for us. Yeah. And it's, it, it really does, in my opinion, take the novelty off of it. I enjoy only seeing, you know, a Barcelona versus a man city only, you know, maybe once every couple of years, if it happens, if they happen to draw each other in Champions League, right? You see how much excitement is around a Manchester Derby or Liverpool versus Manchester or versus Man Man United, right? Uh, happening twice every year. Uh, to see it happen every week, it just it really would take the. It'll be cool for a first bit, but after a little while, the novelty would certainly wear off, right? It just wouldn't be the same excitement around it. Um, so I really hope all of this doesn't end up happening, that this league doesn't end up playing because um, it really would be bad for, for football. It would be it'd be terrible, disastrous. Um, and it really is a big slap in the face to the supporters of these clubs. Um, you know, you see the smaller clubs in places like England, like a Sunderland, for example. I don't know if you've ever watched the Sunderland Till I Die documentary. Not a very rich uh, town, but you see how much money those supporters put into their club because that is their passion. That is what they love. That's what Sunderland's built around. Um, you know, it, it really is a big F you to, to the supporters, in my opinion. Uh, but enough about Europe. That's their own problem. <laughs> yes. Yes. We're not Europe. Um, so we will move on to our questions. And again, I mentioned at the start, we got a lot of questions. So we really appreciate that. We want them to keep coming, um, but we certainly appreciate you guys uh, putting your questions in and, and, and being excited. And, and we love answering them. 
Um, so to start, Darren asks, uh, we touched on this a little bit. Um, TFC have signed Luke Singh. Does that mean the roster is now full? Uh, so no Dom Dwyer. Um, I got some clarification from a gentleman who happens to work with Waking the Red, Jeffrey Nesker. Um, and he got me some clarification on this. Uh, a lot of the guys that we currently have on our roster would likely end up with TFC two, uh, in which which would open a couple um, a couple roster spots for for the senior club, as well as uh, kind of loan. I believe they rock. I might botch this. I believe it's Rocco Romeo uh, loan deal as well. So at the moment the roster's full, um, but give it couple weeks when we get some of our bodies back i believe we will have a few open spots is there anything you want to add to that cam yeah um there's never the roster's ever fully full there's never a closed door and and, you know done and dusted maybe if you've got to enter a roster to a uh a cup like the champions league there may be certain stages of the tournament where you have to set a lineup and i know in some in some leagues you know you can uh, um you can leave players off your roster for the tournament. But for, for this sake, no. If TFC sees an opportunity with Dom Dwyer, it's easy enough of, of, of sending a player to, uh, you know, TFC 2 on loan. Uh, I don't think there's anyone that we would um, wholly you know, get rid of, but the opportunities are always there for our team to make room. Yeah, and uh, Neil Davidson on Twitter says, uh, Toronto FC update, Erickson Gallardo underwent surgery Thursday on right groin no word from club on return uh luke singh signs homegrown contract that brings first team to 31 players tfc has some leeway with gallardo dunn achara on injured reserve list and romeo on loan so that answers your question hopefully darren um moving on uh dave this is a fun one and i won't uh say the words of what the what this uh, activity is based off of. Uh, but Dave says 100, when 100% healthy, who do you keep loan cut? Uh, you guys can guess what game this is based off of. And uh, Cam, I, it, it's based off of the starting 11 from our game against Montreal. Uh, I posted the starting 11 in our Google doc that we refer to during the show. So we can base our picks off of that. Um, for me, I'm keeping Richie Larea. I think that's a no-brainer with the interest he's been gathering from Europe and, and just his play as a whole. Um, Lone uh, would be Luke Singh. Uh, I really like what I see from him, but he's just not ready. And cut would be Patrick uh, Patrick Mullins. How about you? Um, yeah, I think I think we're uh, we're kind of aligning on that pretty closely. Um, Assuming everyone gets healthy, looking at this team, uh, I'd keep Luce Singh, uh, mm. and I'd probably look at loaning out someone like again. I don't know if Dorsey's age is there or uh, Perusa. Um, these guys need more starting time, and as these players become back and get healthier, it's going to really stunt their growth. Um, I think Luke Singh has the ability to step in and give a break to Gonzalez because he's not the most solid individual injury wise as well. Right. If he gets hurt, who do we have in that back four? So I don't want to lose Singh, as I think he'll probably be a better asset to the team. 
um, I think we could lose a midfielder um, to, to loan. So I'd probably loan out um, Dorsey or Perusa. Uh, I would cut Mullins uh, only because I don't know what his salary looks like, but I don't think the value is there where I would rather have someone come in and go, you know, leaps and bounds forward in development in the same amount of time, getting the amount of minutes he's been given recently. Um, so I cut him. Um, I would keep a Kello. Keep Okello in the starting eleven. Yeah, okay. I like him. I like. Oh, yeah, no, uh, I like that. Yeah, I say Okello or Preso. I think both have shown really well. Like okay. I said, Okello looks really good if he gets his fitness up. He's a big body, which you need in MLS. And I don't know we have enough big midfielders with Bradley being that anchor at the back end. Yeah. Okello could be that large body going forward. And if we saw how well Josie and Giovinco worked, you need a big body to drive people away from your smaller. Mm-hmm. Uh, attackers and you need someone like a Kello, I think, to draw people away from the Pozuelos. So I, I'd like to see a Kello stay. And then of the guys in the starting 11 from Saturday, who do you loan? Um, Preso maybe. Okay. Yeah. Preso I think that makes Kello. sense. I keep one. No argument other, against right? that. I think they're both on the edge there. Yeah. So let's see what they do. Okay, cool. Uh, Max asks, do you think with all the extra playing time, the players who otherwise wouldn't be playing have benefited from showing what they can do and provide for the team going forward? Uh, absolutely. Um, I'll let you expand on that cam, but you know, this, the playing time for these young guys, especially in the types of matches they've, they've featured in over the last week and a half are, is monumental and cam. I'll let you expand on that. Yeah, I think as a young player, any time you get in the starting 11 for the senior squad is going to give you a, a massive amount of growth and confidence and, and ability to speak to the coach, you know, going into a, a string of matches and say, I'm ready. I, I've proven myself. If, if you're not getting that time, all, all you can say is, you know, coach, give me a chance. So uh, I think they, they, they most certainly benefit players like Okello, Preso, Marshall Ruddy, um, and, and of course, Luke Singh, who got a first team contract for goodness sakes. Right. Like that's, that's all benefit. Uh, so I, I think uh, the Chris Armis youth movement happened faster than anyone would have anticipated. Uh, but it's, it's come to fruition after that first champions league uh, win. Um, and now we're going to have to see it really come into action uh, with these first few um, MLS season games. So most certainly they benefited because I don't think we would have seen players like them come in until, maybe the champion or Canadian Amway cup, something like that. Yeah, no, well put. I think, I think you're spot on there and I think they'll, you know, as we get our bodies back, I don't think you'll see them in the starting 11 nearly as much, but you'll certainly see a lot of them featuring off the bench, which I, uh, which I certainly don't mind. Um, Dan asks, who do you think will be the number one goalie this season, Bono or Westberg? My initial thoughts are Westberg, excellent distribution of the ball, settled head, really smart goalkeeper. I think he keeps that back line organized. I think he is a very intelligent goalkeeper. Uh, Bono, phenomenal shot stopper. I think we've seen him, you know, get his confidence back a bit. But, you know, one of my points there about Bradley getting dominated in the air is, you know, what's his communication like in the box and, and how is he talking to the players? So my choice is Westberg. It remains to be seen what Armis does as Armis still has this, you know, uh, you know, um, 
pre-existing notion that he prefers youth players, younger players coming in and developing his team around them. Westberg's in his early thirties. Bono is still, you know, in his late twenties with goalies should be getting better with age. So my personal choice is Westberg, but uh, we'll see what Armist does after that, uh, that tough loss against Montreal. Yeah, uh, I agree with you in Westberg. Um, I really like that signing a really under the radar signing by TFC uh, a few seasons ago. Um, he will be turning 35 in six days. Quinton Westberg will be and Alex Bono. Current- happy birthday, Quinton. Yeah, uh, certainly. Happy birthday, Quinton Q. Um, Alex Bono, currently 27 years old. Uh, I think Westberg is your starter for, you know, the majority of the season. I don't mind uh, Bono getting a look in Champions League or um, Canadian Championship by any means. Uh, it's certainly a good problem to have. I would I would say having two, um, you know, number one goalkeepers. Um, Ben asks, and it's not me, I swear. Um, we still need to sign a designated player wondering who that will be. Uh, first thing I'll say is we don't need to sign a designated player. Um, when we get our bodies back, I mean, we're still one of the top teams in the league and we're missing Mavinga, Osorio, Pozuelo, Akinola, uh, Altador, the list goes on. So I don't, I, I don't think we need to sign a designated player. Um, your guess is as good as mine as to who we'd be bringing in. Uh, me and Cam talked about this a little bit on our last full uh, episode from last weekend. So certainly go check that out to look at options. Um, we, we mentioned waking the Reds um, article of, of possible guys that TFC can maybe look at. Um Moving on, Cam, is there anything you want to add on that? Yeah, just, you know, I agree. I don't think we need a designated player tomorrow. Um, Mm -hmm. I I keep saying this, and I might sound like a broken record. Why would you want to play for Toronto FC right now? Not at home, in a foreign country, pandemic. It's all weird. I don't think it makes sense for a lot of people. I think we wait until you know, the pandemic starts to, to, to take less of a, an ugly shape and more of one that is manageable. We know the U.S. is doing really well with their vaccine rollout. Canada can't be said for the same. So goodness knows when we'll have TSC come and play home games and the border reopens. I don't think we sign someone until that happens where I think we know a bit more what's going to happen for someone joining this team. Um, and wondering who that'll be? Hey, man, roll some dice. We have no idea. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's exactly it. It's it's really not the best situation Toronto has at the moment. If we see a designated player, I don't imagine it'll be probably till the summer transfer window opens up. Uh, so yeah. don't hold your breath on that one. Um, Dylan asks, and this one I think is a pretty unanimous answer. How do you determine which one of you is the more handsome host? Will there be a poll, call-in voting, a panel of esteemed judges? Dylan, I think you'd be one of those esteemed judges. And what will the award look like? Uh, I think this one's easy. I'm, I'm going with Cam for this one. There's no argument. Well, you, you've got the, the youthful exuberance. I've got too many gray hairs now. You're still the, the energy and youthful, um, I think, energy this podcast needs. But this is why <laughs> we're doing a podcast. We're, 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 we're not face people. We're voice people. So 
if you're looking to hire anyone for a car commercial, let us know. Yeah. And as somebody who's worked in radio the last few years, I've been told probably more times than I can count that I have a face for radio. So we'll leave it at that. Uh, Nikos asks, uh, with the new look team and new home jersey, which player would you get on the back of the new shirt? Would it be somebody from the big three, a cult favorite? Uh, must be somebody current roster cam i'll let you answer this one first because i think uh, my answer is pretty obvious yeah i i can almost guarantee what your answer will be uh for me i'm leaning towards a, a larea jersey i don't think i have enough uh i don't think i have actually any um homegrown talent jerseys i i used to coach mobile uh and i wanted to get his jersey uh, unfortunately his his time at uh sorry at tfc wasn't as long as prosperous as I'd always dreamed, but he's doing quite well in, in the CPL right now. So, so big shout out to, to Mo for that one. Um, but yeah, I think a, a Richie Larea Jersey is, is something that I would be very proud of. Um, or, you know, you, you try and get it before he's signed by a European giant and get a, a Marshall Ruddy Jersey, but I don't know if they charge by the letter. I don't know if I can afford that one. So um, yeah, I, I'd say, let's say uh, a Richie Larea who almost was our um, man of the season. Uh, if you know, Pozuelo wasn't as good as he is. I think the fans at RPB were, were voting him in as a local boy who has done us proud. So I'm going to say Larea. I like that answer. I think that would be kind of like a realistic choice for me. The outlook he's got be certainly cool to have if he does make that jump to Europe. Uh, I think the obvious pick for me, and this is more so so I can begin planning that pitch invasion, uh, would be Jacob Schaffelberg. Um, you know, if I were to storm the pitch wearing a Schaffelberg jersey, I don't think anybody would tell the difference. Uh, so and that's you, we'll just sneak you in for a corner, yeah, absolutely. Put me, hey, that's the thing. I, I think you throw me in the area for a corner, it's probably not the worst option to have. I've yeah, got he's some got too height, much hair. You know, he's got a lot of hair. Like, just get on the forehead, bang. Yeah, that's the one thing I'm missing right now is that hair, but I mean, in terms of the height and size. I mean, throw me in the area. It's not the worst person to have in there. Just saying. (laughs) And uh, John asks, and this is a fun one. uh, Favorite current TFC player and favorite all-time TFC player. Um, My favorite current player would likely be Richie Larea. Um, I love what he brings um i love the the mentality and attitude that he has i think it's perfect for the mls you see how often he gets under guy's skin uh he's tremendously talented really exciting to watch um so i think that would be my favorite current tfc player camel i'll get your favorite current tfc player before i give my all-time one yeah, I think my favorite current TFC player, um, I guess, does it say like, the, you know, in the squad recently or like at this exact moment of the team, who, who's, who I'm most I think, rooting for? Cause I think just anybody but, on the current roster. Yeah, anybody in the current roster, I can't, I can't not like Josie. And I'll, I'll give him the credit that it's due. He's still, you know, the energy and the body of of what this tfc team is meant to be and you know we're going to give him a lot of of shtick and a lot of fans are upset with his injuries but i'm not going to blame him for that 
Um, he's my favorite TFC player because, you know, he is the embodiment of what the MLS is, right? Strong talent, big boy, outspoken. Um, and I, I think he would be my favorite, especially when he threw the ball on the pitch in the Leon game. <laughs> yeah, that was all. Oh, that's something we haven't even talked just, about. I don't think. Things. Yeah, but that we'll, was. We'll have to do an episode where we talk about the most ridiculous things TFC players have done. Um, and we'll, we'll do the just Josie to... ball throw or just Josie moments where he, you know, he says he's on a wave at the uh, MLS cup uh, parade, but yeah, um, I'd say current player, give it to Josie. I'm still hoping he comes back and, and, and makes us, you know, happy to wear that to Don, the number 17 Jersey, which is my lucky Jersey. So uh, I'll say him. Um, and then my favorite all time TFC player, it's gotta be Jivinko. The man is magic. Yeah, I, I, you know, like I said, I watch you know world football all the time, and you see people pull off amazing feats of, of of athleticism, and I got to be in the stadium and watch him curl balls around people for fun. Mm-hmm. He got to turn you know six foot four defenders inside out, cut between their legs, bang a goal, and just laugh. Um, you know, so all time favorite player, one hundred percent the uh, the atomic ant, Sebastian Jovinko. Yeah, some tells me a lot of people would agree with you there. Um, and mentioning the Josie, the Josie pick, uh, I think, yeah, probably a good idea to have a episode of the Red Patch Boys bod- podcast dedicated strictly to uh, Toronto FC shithousery. Um, my favorite all-time TFC player, uh, I'm, I'm a goalkeeper. I've been a goalkeeper for quite some time. Um, my all-time favorite TFC player still playing in the MLS would be Stefan Fry. Um, had the pleasure of talking to him many a time. I know I met him when I was younger. I think I was about 11 or 12 years old uh, at one of the TFC pub crawls they were doing in Markham. And, and he took, you know, 15, 20 minutes out of his own time to talk to me about goaltending advice, which was really cool. Um, a tremendous guy. Uh, unfortunate what he did to us when he was playing with Seattle in that 2016 MLS Cup. What but, a save, though. You know, we got it the next year, so so we'll get over it. Um, always really good for us. It was it was tough having to play here as a goalkeeper for those years because, you know, you, you had nothing in front of you. Uh, so you never looked that great, but I thought he was tremendous and, and still having a great time in, in Seattle um definitely part of the success they've had so yeah he'd be he'd be my all-time favorite tfc player um and i'd give a shout to uh altador as well just uh his personality his confidence that he exudes that he exudes uh his energy it's so hard not to like and obviously responsible for a lot of tfc's big moments um i know cam you were hoping i was gonna say auger akeche but uh not going that way unfortunately (laughs) yeah yeah we've had some we've had some real unique characters that's uh, oh gosh, who was who was our our striker, our Brazilian striker who who banged like Gilberto. one free kick and that was it. Gilberto, Gilberto. yeah, oh, a free kick that he banged in after getting into a fight with Jermaine Defoe. That's it. Yeah, yeah. He had to score that one. Yeah. He really did have to score that one, and that was the only I think pressure he ever felt because after that he never scored again. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, he didn't score a whole lot to begin with. No, but no, that's we could have we could have episodes upon episodes of our favorite. Toronto FC misfortune memories, if you want to call it that, just the dark days of things you look. Which I'm back sure we'll get go, an episode. Oh of. my we god! Will, oh, we absolutely. will do an episode of the uh, absolutely the most memorable TFC flops, maybe 
uh, <laughs> and we'll maybe we'll throw down some interesting stats. Absolutely, uh, like that. Well, that does it for us this week. Um, TFC coming off the four-two loss to Montreal, but they have a chance to rebound this coming weekend against Vancouver. Certainly a winnable one. And then the following week, I believe it is April 29th, if I'm correct. We take on Cruz Azul, but we'll have an episode in before then. And you can look at look out for our match recap uh, following that Cruz Azul game. But we'll touch on that next weekend. Um, Cam, before we head out, is there anything you wanted to uh, throw in? Um. Game on Saturdays, 3 p.m. Set your calendars. Uh, we had a lot of fun um, during the Leon game in our uh, Zoom uh, watching party. So make sure you hop on the forums and look for a link posted by our leadership team for that. Hopefully we can have a few laughs and, and, and enjoy that game uh, together virtually. Uh, and if not, um, enjoy the rest of everyone's week. Be safe and come on, you Reds. Yeah, Cam couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, For myself, Ben McClellan, my friend Cam Miller, uh, you've been listening to the Red Patch Boys podcast. Toronto FC takes on Vancouver this coming weekend. Hope for three points and come on your race.